Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. 12 After Dark. I am Trevor Knight. It is my honor to be joined tonight by Mr. Christian Hackenberg of Penn State and my coach while I was down at Texas A&M, Coach Kevin Sumlin. Guys, how are we doing tonight? I'm living ahead, the dream, Christian. man. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. It's my first time with Coach Sumlin, so I'm excited. And then, uh, Trevor, I get to see your face all the time, so it's I'm less excited about that, but oh. – um, you know, still, still looking forward to the rundown we got here. I think, I think it's going to be good. It's, it's much in your favor in terms of the teams we're talking about and where we're going. So we get to hear a lot from you, which I'm excited. It about. is much in my favor, Hack. I appreciate you mentioning that. We're going to talk about a lot tonight on the field of 12 after dark. Some of the things that we will be discussing realignment is ending the Bedlam series, a series that is near and dear to my heart between the Oklahoma Sooners and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We'll dive into that. Some traditional powerhouse schools are returning. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. And then we'll go through a nice little segment on fraud or for real. Is it basketball schools rising to the top across different conferences? We're going to dive it all, all into it tonight here on the Field of 12 After Dark presented by Bet Rivers and streamed on the SiriusXM app. As we always do, guys, grab a drink, sit back, relax, enjoy the, enjoy the show. But first and foremost, like we do every night, let's go around and give our toast of the night. Hack, we'll start with you. Who's your toast of the night, my friend? My toast of the night is, is, is going towards one of these next topics we'll be talking about is Coach Gundy uh, during his press conference talking about um, – the bedlam rivalry ending the guy, the guy is phenomenal in front of the media. And when he gets in there and he starts talking to him, it's really worth the watch. Uh, I was, it was, it was a good, you know, three and a half minutes of my day to day, just listening to him grill the media about how it's not Oklahoma state's fault that Oklahoma is leaving for the sec and ending the rivalry and just basically pushing it all, you know, on the big money in the S in the sec and, and, and Oklahoma's decision makers. So uh, I thought that was very interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that since it's on, on topic and on cue. So coach Gundy, as always entertaining. Cheers to you, coach Gundy, coach Sumlin. He got tonight. Who's your toast of the well, evening. I get in trouble for, for that the first week, right. For coach Gundy, right. 15 years, guy's done a hell of a job. I mean, incredible. Uh, but tonight, I want to toast to the Maryland Terrapins and Mike Loxley. 3-0 and out there somewhere doing his thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see in the next couple of weeks what, what goes on with Mike Loxley. But right now, at 3-0, and there should be a top 25 team, and they are in some polls, but they're doing a great job. My toast goes to Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins. Cheers. Love it. Guys, I'm keeping my toast of the night in-house. It was floating around in our text threads, a little picture. Maybe it was a video of um, 
of one of the guys that started this network, Mr. Jeff Goodman. My toast is to you tonight for going to Iowa, excuse me, not Iowa, Indiana, to the game this weekend. And that's a team that we're going to be uh-huh. talking about a little bit later in the show. And acting like you're back in college, my friend, ripping shots, buying rounds of shots. Man, I wish I was with you there at Indiana. You look like you were having a great time. Keep the drinks flowing just like we do here on the show. Mr. Jeff Goodman, a toast to you. Cheers, my friend. I think he was oh. even shooting hoops in a couple frat houses. I saw some videos that may or may not. He may have, may have spent the night in a couple frat houses, yeah. you know, yeah. whether it was, you know, this weekend or, or several weekends before when he was in college. We won't mention how many that was. But Jeff Goodman, we love you. Um, guys, let's dive right in. First and foremost, big news this week. Hack, you mentioned it. The end of Bedlam is near 2025. OU is set to head to the SEC. Oklahoma State is staying in the Big 12. This rivalry is over. Hack, thoughts on this specific rivalry in state, the only two big teams in the state of Oklahoma, but also just talk about rivalry games in general. Is this good for either school? Or is it probably the best as they kind of separate ways? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think this is the fourth standing uh, or the fourth longest continually played rivalry game in in, in college football. Um, it, rivalry games to me are so valuable. It's 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 kind of what makes college football. There's we've all played in them. We've been a part of them in some some fashion, and there's something about them. Unfortunately, I think the direction with all this new conference realignment and expansion of college football playoff, and who knows, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg. You're going to lose a lot of these. And the the fan in me kind of wants there to be an effort to try to keep these alive, whether it's out of conference games. And we've talked about this too, you know, scheduling out of conference cupcake games or going out there and playing, uh, uh, you know, a good football team early in the season. I think it's a creative way to, to keep these rivalries going, keep these rivalries stoked up you know, similarly to, to, to Pitt and West Virginia early this year. It hasn't been played in a while, but those are games that need to be played. It's good for the community. It's good for the fan bases. It's good for the economy in the area. Um, so selfishly, it's a bummer. You know, I hope that, that maybe they figure it out. Um, these athletic departments figure it out, a way to schedule it um, creatively um, as they navigate this landscape and, and unknown territory that they're towing into. But, um, you know, yeah, I think it's just, it's just, it's a shame, but, at the end of the day, you know, you got to go where the money is. And, and I think a lot of these kids understand that now, especially with, with them being involved in the business and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Coach, you coached in this rivalry. I played in this rivalry, right? What, what is, give, give our listeners a little insight into what Bedlam well, uh, is. Uh, I got, in, like I said, I got in trouble because I gave uh, Mike the, the first toast, right? And I worked at, at OU for like five years. Here's my take, right? Number one, no one ever thought Oklahoma would not play Nebraska ever, right? So when I grew up, I'm older than you guys. I'm damn near 60. So so when I was a kid, I watched Ohio State, Michigan. I'd watch Alabama, Auburn. And I'd watch Oklahoma and Nebraska. Guess what? Half those games don't even happen anymore, right? On a regular basis. So 
to me, to play Nebraska and do those things is a big deal. One. Number two, uh, it's going to happen. It happened last week. They're figure they're they're going to figure that out. But conference realignment is going to happen. So now what? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I I always thought this game and and when I was playing at OU, the Texas game as well. Those were our two big rivalries, and there's something about a rivalry game that just makes it more difficult, right? It's all the hoopla around, and, and especially when it's an in-state rivalry. Man, it, the whole state seems like it comes together. You, you you have a little bit of extra pep in your step during preparation that week, and and anything can happen in a rivalry. Hack, you played in rivalry games, obviously, while you're at Penn State. Well, what's the preparation like going into a rivalry week, especially against an in-state school that makes it different or harder? And and again, kind of asking the question again, does Oklahoma benefit more from not having to play Oklahoma State anymore? Or vice versa. And I, I think we know the answer, but would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you know, I think to answer your first question, the the old adage, you know, every every week's the same. We're going to approach each week the same. You know, want to know this week. I think that that's always one of the things that you hear consistently across across programs. But I think that there is always that added pressure, the added visibility on campus. There's there's blood ties to a lot of these things. So you're talking family members, you know, girlfriends, family members, there's a lot that goes into these things. Um, so you definitely feel that throughout the week. Um, there's obviously probably going to be a little bit more media attention. There's, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it that you, that you really can't tune out. Um, so, so let me, let me ask you a question. Pat. So ahead, you're playing, you guys are playing a pit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. What's that? What's that week like? I mean, like I said, Coach Franklin was very, you know, each week's the same. We're going to approach it the same way. Um, you know, not, I know what the coach said, but yeah, like, no, as a player, I mean, like I said, as a player, you know, you're excited. Um, but I was also the same guy. Like I tried to, I tried to keep my schedule very regimented and very, you know, focused on the task at hand one day at time. Didn't matter who we were lining up against. We just had to go out and execute. Um, you know, when you get into the stadium, when you start feeling those things, that's when I think it really makes an impact. You're walking into the stadium, the bus ride in, all those things. There's there's a little bit more of an aura and an energy kind of flowing out of it. And you naturally feed off that. Adrenaline pumps into it and you naturally feed off that. But I, I tried to stay out of all that all that noise getting ready, um, at least personally. May have been different for so, other guys. <laughs> so I'll, I'll answer that same question, Coach. This guy over here. I, I, I would approach the game the same way. That being said, there was something about rivalry games going to Stillwater or hosting them and then going down to the Cotton Bowl to play Texas where you could prepare as much as you possibly could, but when you step into that stadium and lock the gate behind you, it doesn't matter if you were a 25-point favorite or a two-point favorite. Anything could happen. Oh, 100%. And that's, and that's what I think is great about rivalry games. And, and for the state of Oklahoma, too, prior to the, the thunder coming to Oklahoma City in the NBA, it was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and that's it. And so it's going to be tough to see that leave. You see schools or states like Iowa, right? Iowa plays Iowa State every year. They're in different conferences, but they keep that together. I would have hoped they'd do something like that here. But with this realignment you do see the 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 remergence of 
Texas versus Texas A&M, uh, Oklahoma versus A&M. A&M, you know, because they went to a different conference, now is a rival with LSU. So new rivalries emerge. You know, the, the Nebraska OU coach, as you mentioned, that went away, but we kind of had it back this year. It wasn't quite as exciting, but I think that different um, uh, rivalries emerge once we realign. So um, sad to see it go, but we got a couple more years of it. And I think these guys are going to have a chip on their shoulder going into that game. But let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to our next segment here. Uh, the traditional powers of college football. OK, some schools that we see that logo and they are always on top. And for the past couple years or even longer than that, they've just taken a dip, whether it's coaching change, players, bad culture, those types of things. But first, first team I want to talk about here, Florida State. Is Florida State back on track? Mike Norvell enters his third year, I believe, as head coach. They've got a quarterback. Some people, they say they've got a defense. You know, they, they've beaten a couple teams, including LSU, in, in a, a really tight game towards the second game of the season. Coach, your thoughts overall on Florida State. Can they make a push in the ACC to be competitive towards the end of the year? Yes. Th- that's it. Yes. Mike Norvell is a really good coach. Like, when he was at Memphis, I thought he did a great job. When he's at OC, he's done a, 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 a fabulous job. But the issue is, you know, who are you going to play? Uh, who do you have? And the best jobs in, in college football are ACC jobs with SEC players. He has that job. He's doing a great job. Yeah, I've gotten a chance to watch them too, and I'll second that. I think they've never had an issue of building talent down there or finding talent. A lot of it's right in their backyard. Um, and – the way they're playing now, they've shown the ability to win those games where in the past two years, they, they'd find a way to screw it up. Um, they're now turning that corner, I think, internally. That has to do with um, coach's vision in terms of how the team thinks about themselves, carries themselves, and is able to finish now. Um, and it's in a wide-open ACC right now as well. Uh, the, the, the conference, I mean, outside of Clemson, and Clemson hit a road bump last, last year, you know, no one really wants to take it, I don't think, at the moment. So they got a chance. And, uh, you know, Miami's kind of resurging with Cristobal, which would be great having Miami and Florida State back and relevant. But, um, you know, we'll see. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think that there's there's definitely uh, – they're, they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the quarterback room there at Florida State. Jordan Travis off to a good start this year but goes down – in the second quarter against Louisville, his former team. I know that was just killing him internally that he didn't get to finish that one out. But a huge shout out to Tate Rodemaker, who came in um, and led Florida State on some second half drives. He looked a little shaky coming in there and it, late in the second quarter, but second half settled in, got a huge win for his team. I don't think Jordan Travis is out long, but coach, talk a little bit about the ability to have a backup that you can trust. Um, not a lot of schools I'm, I'm, have I'm that. No, no, listen. So Tate is really capable, right? Never been in that fire. Never done that, right? Not an old guy. Never been in, never seen anything. But like you, 
uh, that you you come in and take over a team. That is real coaching right there from those guys because that, he's a young kid. It's never been that far, and he can win. The, I, I think they're a dangerous team right now in, in the ACC. Hack, what are your thoughts on, on just the QB room as a whole? I know that you were – you sat in a different seat than, than maybe I did um, in my career. I was always somewhat looking over my shoulder, battling it out. Um, I was the guy uh, at times, which was really nice from a confidence standpoint. But, you know, you go, let's say you go down, right? Were, were you in there really helping the, the second guy get ready to play from a mental standpoint, a confidence standpoint? What is it? you know, kind of QB room that permeates the rest of the locker room or do you guys kind of just do your own thing? No, I was, I was very inclusive. You know, I, I had trace uh, for two years there and he was awesome. Very, very attentive. He was great on the sidelines with me. I, I, you know, I, I just always was the type of guy that's like, I, like I said, I, I got lost in my process. You know, I'd ask guys to tag along. I'd try to help them out any way I could. Um, And I, I talked through, open book policy with me, open door policy. That's kind of how I, that's how I've operated. So, um, you know, I think coach, coach, you brought up a great point guy, not experienced. They went out there and put him in some really good situations to be successful. And ultimately that experience, I think is going to pay dividends. Uh, if this occurrence happens again, because now you got a guy who's been there, he's seen it, he's done it. You know, he can do it. He's got the confidence team has the confidence in him as well. So uh, I think that bodes well for, for Florida state's quarterback room. And I think that will provide a spark to the rest of the team. You know, the guys that maybe aren't getting a whole lot of playing time at, at other positions saying, hey, man, this guy came in and he, he balled out. If that if my name gets called down the stretch, which is bound to happen, I need to be ready like he was. So I like Florida State but, 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 down no, the stretch. No, wait, wait. You guys are being nice, right? You guys are being really nice as guys that came into – I see you smiling. Came into <laughs> situations, you're quarterbacks, Right. You run the team. You're an extension of the head coach. You're an extension. You get too much blame when shit goes bad. You get too much credit when, when things go good, right? So, no, it's it's. It, I mean, you guys do a great job of managing the room and the team. So, guess what? I kind of like the guy, and I was at the game. I'm like, what? And then I'm a Purdue guy, right? So I was at the game to watch the first game. He's got a chance. He's not bad. He's not you, Pat, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, no, I, yeah. Go ahead, Trev. Yeah, I was just going to say, it is good to have to have two guys. What, what were you going to say, Hack? No, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's, you know, capable – um capable and confident man that's dangerous so I think he's he's done he's done some good things and like I said I think that whole team is playing with a different attitude and mentality than they've had in the past and you know you get that confidence back at a place like Florida State it, you know it, it could be dangerous no doubt hey let's move it down to the bayou is LSU back on track first year head coach Brian Kelly was all over the news this offseason with his crazy recruiting tactics on video, trying to dance, all this stuff, just way, way out of his lane, in my opinion. But you got to do what you got to do. Um, you know, the loss to, to Florida State early on in the year, um, really close game. And, and maybe Florida State is back, like we just mentioned. Uh, but then, you know, a big win over Southern and then uh, an upset 
against Mississippi State this past week, a, a, a win that I wasn't uh, necessarily uh, expecting, right? Uh, Hack, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts overall on the LSU Tigers? Are they going to be able to navigate this SEC West schedule? Um, and what have they shown you so far that tells you yay or nay? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the Florida State game and how Florida State finishes the season is obviously going to tell us a lot um, about what that meant uh, for them at that point in time and what it meant for LSU. But I thought they've rebounded really well. Um, take all of Brian Kelly's antics and whatever you want to say it aside. At the end of the day, the guy can win. He did it at Notre Dame. Um, he came down here. LSU does not lack talent. They got talent. If he can continue to put these guys in situations where they where they can be successful, and I thought he did a great job of that against Mississippi State. They were able to they were able to run the football when they needed to. Uh, Jaden Daniels um, made plays when he needed to. Um, and, and Brian's always kind of been able to do that with his quarterbacks, get them in situations to be successful. So for me, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're ready yet. There's been too much turmoil from that national championship to where they hit to, to be back. And I don't think they have the marquee players in certain positions that they need to be back. But I think another program that is trending in the right direction, uh, at least right now. And again, a lot is, still to be told in terms of how Brian Kelly wins over not only that locker room, but the alumni and the fan base, because at the end of the day, at a place like LSU, everyone's got to be rowing that ship in the right direction for it to be successful. The minute some things start going awry and people are pulling the rope in a different direction, uh, it can cause problems. And you saw how quickly that happened with uh, coach, uh, coach O down there, you know, guy won a national championship and then some things kind of started getting loose on him and he, uh, he wasn't able to reel it back in. So um, you know, I, I'm kind of tentative. I'm not going to say back, but I think that they're going to be competitive. Absolutely. Coach, talk a little bit about uh, Brian Kelly being a first year head coach, moving from a powerhouse at Notre Dame, now down to the Bayou at LSU, very different culture, very different campus, right? Um, talk about just being a first year head coach and the challenges that that possesses. I can talk right now. All right, BK is a great coach, right? Number one. Number two, LSU is a different place. I agree with you. And um, so the last two coaches won national championships and got fired. It's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So what the, what's the pressure for <laughs> Ryan Kelly? I just said that, right? I can say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of work to do. So, I mean, it's it, it, LSU is a different place. The standard is the standard there, right? Like, that's right. – I mean, that that's the precedent. You know what I mean? You have Les Miles, and then you have Edo who came in there. Ed Ogeron came in there, won a national championship. That's the standard. You got to be able to do that. Right. At a place like LSU. In the SEC West. Yes. With all those monsters down there. <laughs> Monsters, monsters. So, you, that, yeah. That's why he came, not you, but that's all right. Yeah, that's right. Hack, so let's talk a little bit about that. What What is it going to take for, for an LSU uh, to navigate a schedule like that? Is it quarterback play consistently? 
Is it, um, is it dominant defense? Is it your head coach infusing culture into that locker room? What are the steps that have to, have to be taken in order to have a successful year? And, and I'll, I'll further the question. What is a successful year for Brian Kelly in year one? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question because the expectations, again, like we were just talking about, are, are very high at LSU. Um, but I, I think that's something that he's not, not privy to because I think the expectations are similarly as high at Notre Dame. It's just what LSU has done hasn't happened at Notre Dame for quite some time. Um, they were all right with their 10 wins in a bowl game and, and keep it moving. So um, for, for, for him, you know, I think moving into this year, success would be winning over that locker room, having guys and the athletic department and former, former players coming back and being behind him. I think winning that support. And I think Brian Kelly isn't a guy who's going to win that support. I think he tried that this whole off season. Again, with all the antics, he ain't going to win it like that. He's going to win it by being a football coach, like coach someone said, which is what he's good at. And I think he should stay in that lane and figure that out. Um, again, I think he's got some holes from a talent standpoint in terms of competing with the rest of the horses in that race um, that are going to limit him a little bit in certain positions, but he's going to work. And like I said, I think he's going to be able to put those guys in positions to be competitive. Um, and if that, if that's where they're at right now, you need to continue to do everything right in the, in recruiting and in the transfer portal to continue to build and trend in the proper direction in order to, to, to reach expectations. I think overall, I I don't think there's expectations year one that are going to be like, you know, if, if they're not, you know, national sec competing for the sec championship that they're going to fire the guy. I just don't think that's, that's realistic right now, but as long as they're competitive, win a couple games maybe they're not supposed to and start trending in the right direction overall health wealth of the entire program um i think that's a win for for brian kelly and lsu moving into the offseason agreed agreed coach someone i want to ask you this i never got the chance to to play at tiger stadium uh you've coached down there you've been there probably numerous times why is tiger stadium so difficult to play at because LSU does have a favorable schedule this year. They, they do host a lot of the big juggernauts at home. Um, so talk a little bit about Tiger Stadium. No, no it, it's a different place, right? So you have the, the Tiger, they like, oh, we, we, we got rid of that deal. They didn't. They just drugged him, right? So <laughs> he's just laying over there. like, And when he, they poke him, rah, right, when he walk in. And then um, – there's this other song that they they play during the game. And I can give the terms of what they say, but it's like all, like, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It is such a great place to play in at night. I mean, I loved it. But, you know, it, it's I never won there, over there. Yeah. So... It, it's it's a great place. Certainly one of the, the venues in college football that I would love to go and visit a, as a fan. And, and for our listeners I'll, out there. I'll, I'll say this. Like, so as you as you go around, and I said this before, like three weeks ago, I said there it, people have a hard time at Florida at night. Florida at night is a the swamp at night is real. And I'm a Big Ten guy. I played there, right? I played in I, I went to Penn State when we first when Penn State first happened to get in the Big Big Ten. But Florida at night is hard. Maybe the best place to play at night. I'm like, this is 
Awesome. Yep. Nothing like a night game in a, in a big SEC venue. It's uh, it's pretty special. So let's let's talk about one, uh, another SEC team. Um, one of the greatest venues in college football. Uh, one more team that we got to ask ourselves, are they back on track? And Hack, we'll start with you here. Texas A&M starts the year off, you know, with a win. Then they have a, a meltdown against Appalachian State. Absolutely cannot happen. Uh, and then they switch quarterbacks, insert Max Johnson, the LSU transfer this past week, and, and they get a big win. Now they go to Dallas this week, neutral site game. They are playing number 10, Arkansas. Is Texas A&M back on track? Does the quarterback change make you feel confident in it? Or are we still up in the air, Hack? So I'm going to give you my little piece, and then I'm really curious to hear your take on this because <laughs> both of y'all's takes on this. Because, again, I, I really don't got a dog in the fight here. So um, I think for what they have on that team talent-wise, to put on the product that they did even against Miami on a, on a, on a follow-up from a real letdown, I still don't think it's up to par with what they have in the stables, with the horses they have in the stables. Now, a win's a win, man credit them great bounce back now they got to go do it again against a really tough and well-coached Arkansas team so um you know another one of those programs that really really high expectations and then not only are you doing that you know because you're at Texas A&M but because of you know th what is it three or four years of top three or four recruiting classes you got all these kids that can apparently play um you got to start seeing something on the field that's gonna that's gonna merit that and, and merit your contract and merit your, your stability as a coach. Um, so I'm looking forward to them to start taking some more steps and be a little bit more explosive offensively. I think defensively, they're really, they're really athletic. That shows, that shows every time you turn on the tape, but um, you know, offensively, I, I, they have an, they have more firepower than what they've shown in my opinion. Agreed. And, and I'll, I'll give my opinion here, guys. I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in, in an alma mater of mine. Right. I think that, um, you know, you come out week one and, yeah, you pitch a shutout against Sam Houston State, right? Everybody feels great for you. You're off to a good start, so on and so forth. You go to class. Everybody's patting you on the back. Then you go out week two, you lose to Appalachia State, which we've pounded over the head. Absolutely cannot happen. You come out against a Miami team that's a little unproven. Yeah, they're ranked. You get a win. You score 17 points. You hold them to nine. Pat on the back for the defense, but – I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold in this team. Um, I'm, I'm not sold at the quarterback position. I know that Max Johnson has played a lot of football up until this point. He's proven that he can win while he was at LSU. I need him to take a huge leap this week uh, in Dallas against a good Arkansas team to prove to me that AM is back on track. And even at that point, I'm not quite sure because after Arkansas – they go to Starkville to play Mississippi State. After Starkville, they turn right back around and they go to Bryant-Denny, Tuscaloosa, to play Alabama. The teeth are coming and they're coming extremely quick. So I'm not bought in on this whole is a and back on track yet. I think they've got a long way to go. But it is a neutral site game. Coach, you and I went to this game together. You dialed you it up greased, for me. You grease his kids, right? No I doubt. You, it's, a, a, it's a hard deal, right? Before I got there, A&M never beat Arkansas. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And then and then won multiple years in a row. Multiple years in a row. Exactly. Until last year. Um, and, and Arkansas <laughs> won this past the- year. And now it's, hey, man, Arkansas's got a little steam going. They're rolling through. Yeah. No, they've got a real coach, and they're going to run through them. And so my point being, if you who are you? Who are you offensively? Who are you? Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they and, gotta find and, it. They gotta and find who's it. That guy? Because it yeah. runs through it runs through the guy that like says hike. Yep. Yep. That's a that's a I mean, that's a great point. I I think they need to they need to they need to change some things quickly offensively. Um to to survive what you just laid out, Trevor, because that's that's a that's a freaking slate coming down the pipe. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not being a, I'm not being yeah. um, mean or anything. Like it mm-hmm. runs through that guy that says hike. That's yep. it. Yep. Yep. No Who doubt. And it, and it does. It it runs through your QB. It runs through your head coach. But three games into the year, I I don't personally believe that you you have your identity yet. Yeah, everybody talks about you get it in the off season. You've got it week one. Every team that I've ever played on, you may feel like you got it, like AM did pitching a shutout week one. Then they face some adversity. Every team's going to face some adversity, unless you're Georgia, of course, who's, who's running through everybody right now. But you're going to face adversity at some point. And when you do, that's when you fall back on the preparation from the offseason. But I don't think you really find your identity until really kind of midway through the season. So we'll I mean, see if I mean, these teams that we talked about are, are back. Think about what this, right? Even, even, even through what – when you were with, with us – or anything else, even Nick changed, right? Tua, all these guys are real quarterbacks. That's yeah. right. Right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, I don't see that there right now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, give Max Johnson another week. Maybe he'll find a little groove, and we'll keep him rolling forward. But we'll see if these teams – Get back on track. And, and, oh, and, and a lot of people didn't like Kellen Mond. I, I, I love Kellen Mond as a player, right? Yep. And you were there to see it, right, when he just showed up. He, he's a really good player. But guess what? To handle the whole thing, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Now, One of the hardest things to do. Did, for you to be at Oklahoma and there, it was hard. Yep. It's hard. It's, this position's hard. Navigating some of these conferences is hard. Um, it is It is a tough, tough game all the way around. That being said, let's move on to, uh, to our next segment, guys. Let's talk a little fraud or for real. The basketball school edition. Some of the basketball schools, those logos that you see constantly in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, are getting it done on the gridiron this year. And our own Michael Felder sat down with Kansas's 3-0 Kansas, Kenny Logan Jr., and spoke with him. Let's roll that now, and then we'll talk about the Kansas Jayhawks. Field of 12, field of 12 after dark, we've got Kenny Logan, safety for Kansas. And excuse me, Kenny, before we get before I let you say anything, excuse me, 3-0 Kansas on the show. We're going to get into this week's game against Duke, but first, uh, Mr. Logan, how does it feel to have three in the win column? And what's that feeling like in that locker room? 
Um, it feels it feels good. Um, the locker room. I mean, we're pretty excited about uh what we did, but we know it's still a lot uh, more work to be done. Uh, guys are staying uh, even keel, uh, keeping keeping mellow vibes. We're not getting too high. We're not getting too low. We're just still chopping wood, trying to keep working on the little things that got us here. I, I love that. Listen, keep chopping wood, keep sawing wood, row the boat, the whole, I love that. So I was listening to some of your interviews from over the summer, right? And when you're in camp and you talked about the newcomers, uh, guys from the portal uh, that, that, that helped you because you're one of these leaders of the team. How did you help integrate those guys into the locker room? And how has that been, that been independent from your actual coaching staff? How has it been for just a player to player standpoint with some of those newcomers? Um, most of those guys came from winning programs. So they already had like the mindset on, on how to win. We just got everybody acclimated to the, the way we were doing things. And then they even helped the guys that were here with uh structure and like what they felt like can help us also win. So it was just uh us just molding together, uh believing in one another to keep this thing going. And yeah, well, I'm gonna I wanna go listen, I'm gonna double down on that mindset situation. What is the difference? What's the what's the difference? What's the difference in terms of mindset? of something going bad and then being like we can we're still gonna win versus something going bad and being like oh no it's happening to us again um us just believing in the little things that got us here us believing in the process um we got challenged all summer uh all spring um with the small details and, uh, and just the hardship we went through with workouts and different things like that that helped us mold together so when when things are not going good or when things are going wrong we kind of uh, lean on one another and just push each other that we're gonna get through it i love it and listen you got your head coach there and and what's he doing to make sure that just being better than a season ago isn't good enough that's not the metric there's bigger goals there's bigger things on the horizon what is that coaching staff doing for you guys to, to make sure that you continue to push? Because, listen, winning one more game than we won a year ago is not where we want to be. We yeah. want to be way ahead of that. So what are they doing to make sure you guys are laser focused on that every game, but also on every play of every game? Like I said, uh, just really same thing, just keeping us um, level-headed with doing what got us here doing all the little things, do not try to do anything that didn't, didn't get us hurt. Do not try to be flashy with, with what we do because that's not us. Uh, just on the small details of marking off stuff, checking off lists, just making sure we're in the right position. And don't try to get don't try to get too high because of how things are going right now. There's still a lot more work to be done. So coaches just try to keep us level-headed for the most part. Yeah, your hay's not in the barn, right? Yes, sir. I love that. Um. So I want to talk Jalen Daniels, right? Watching him in that quarterback role. <laughs> and listen, this is the way that I want to think about it. Because again, I, safety to safety, right? This is the way I want to think about it. What does he do that scares you and should scare everybody in the Big 12? <laughs> me and, and Jalen been challenging each other since he uh, first got the job, since he uh, first came in, actually. So um, he does a lot of things well. He uh, with just how he how he's back there poised in a pocket. Um, you always got to be on your toes. You always got to make sure you, you're doing your assignment because at any time he can make any throw that uh, can put you out of position. Uh, Jalen's a great guy, a great quarterback. And he's just very versatile. And thank you again to our own Michael Felder for that interview. Guys, let's talk about the Kansas Jayhawks, a traditional basketball school. They run through the Big 12 every year. Bill Self and his squad, they have statues, I'm sure, of him at some point there at Kansas. But 3-0, and the first 3-0 and start in Lawrence since 2009. Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, 
is playing out of his mind, a third-year starter. Hack, what are your thoughts on the Kansas Jayhawks getting it done on the road at West Virginia against a Houston school that has been consistently in the top 25 over the last couple of seasons? What do you like about the Jayhawks? I mean, offensively, it speaks for itself. Their production has been top-notch. Uh, a lot of it's been due to Jalen Daniels, both with his arm and his legs. Uh you know, I think we talked about uh, the Malik Cunningham kid at, at Louisville being early, early, like one of the preseason shows, being one of the true dual threats. I think this kid's just just as good, if not better. Um, you know, the hard part is, is I think, obviously, we got Duke next week with them. So one of these two teams, we're going to be talking about Duke here. Sorry, sorry to tip that off. But one of these two teams is going to have a loss after this this week. But um, then they got Iowa State, TCU, and then they have a little stretch. They got OU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. So if they can survive these next these next three weeks, um, hit and head into that, uh, you know, either five and one or six and zero, oh, we'll see, man. I mean, they get, like I said, offensively they got the firepower to keep up. So um, when they start seeing some some real hardcore, I think Brent Venables at, at OU's got that defense playing really well um, at right now, uh, and, and their offense is coming around. So we'll see once they once they get into the meat of that schedule, but. Um, yeah, hey, I'm tentative on it. I don't know. Whoever knows. You, you never know. When it, when someone arises from the ashes like this and and the basketball starts morphing into a pigskin and, and everyone's getting fired up about it down there, it, crazy things can happen. Some of those fans that are already camping outside of Allen Fieldhouse for the, uh, the opener yeah. in basketball season might just be trickling down to that football yeah, like stadium. They may have 3,000 fans there. Every time I play, there's about 1,000, right? <laughs> Coach, uh, a 3-0 no, start no. for the – Oh, you're being nice, right? It's Kansas, right? I know. It was bad. It was always – halftime, it felt like a high school stadium. I'm not going to lie. But 3-0. No, no. he, he is doing a great job. They've got real players, and they're a real problem. Like Iowa State, there is a problem with – you've got real coaches – at certain places right now, yep. right? Without the greatest players. So Kansas has a real chance right now at three and oh, yeah, they're going to go to the bowl game. They're going to beat somebody. They're going to beat like three or four other people. They're going to they're, get to six or seven wins, but like Iowa state, right? Do you want to play them right now? Yeah, probably no. not. I mean, no. They're hot. They're confident, and they got firepower. I wouldn't want to play them right now. Right. So no matter who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Complete difference, right? You you've been a player in that league. You've you've seen it. And to me, right, when you go certain places, you understand that sometimes uh, at at nineteen you don't get that. Does that make sense? That's right. That's so right. so in my mind, I'm I'm saying they're going to win seven, eight games. And I would love to see that coach. And I hope that happens for, for coach Leipold in that group. Cause that would be a fun story to follow. I personally don't believe that, but I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right, coach. I really do. Hey, let's roll down no, this list no, here. Wait, 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 wait. You said that about Iowa state too. You can, but Iowa state's proven it. The Kansas had two wins. I think over the last two years, they've already surpassed that. Let's not uh, let's not bite a huge chunk out of the apple quite yet. But I hope that you're right, Coach. I really do. I really do. Let's uh, hey, let's move on down to, to the Duke Blue Devils. Coach Shashevsky is on his way out as the basketball coach. Now it is time for the Duke Blue Devils to win some football games. 
Mike Elko enters as a first-year head coach. They are 3-0. They've beat Temple, Northwestern, and North Carolina A&T. Not a super pack schedule up until this point, but uh, Hack, we'll start with you again. Thoughts on Duke and navigating that conference? Yeah, I think uh, good for them for right now. Uh, but even in the ACC right now and their side of the division, uh, I still think they got some hurdles and I think they got some teams that are that are present problems. So I am uh, I'm going fraud on Duke right now. And, and uh, heck, probably a bunch of great guys, but I think they're 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 a fraud to me at the moment. Take it a fraud coach. You can go in with a fraud with Duke. You think they're going to win a couple games? Are they going to win the ACC? I mean, you You seem pretty confident. You played first three games of the year, right? We didn't duck anybody. Yep. Yep. It's Duke. Fraud. Problem. Coaches coaches saying there's a problem. They're a problem. I like it. I I don't think think they're going to be a new problem. He said fraud. He said fraud. He said fraud. He went. He went fraud. fraud. He went fraud with us. Okay, fraud. fraud. Yeah, I think we're all. I think we're all, there. we're all aligned here. Duke's a fraud. Stick to basketball season. We'll we'll get there in a few months. Yeah, no doubt. John, right. John Shire. John Shire's coming. Coming. Let's to the, let's move on to this one. This is the fun one. Okay, currently number eight in the country. Certainly the top dog of of the quote unquote basketball schools playing on the gridiron. Will Levis, Mark Stoops, the Kentucky Wildcats are real. They, play, they are real. They play in. One of the toughest, if not the toughest, conferences in the country. So their uphill battle may be a little steeper than some of these uh, these other schools, but they've already proven that they can go into a hostile environment and beat a big-time team. Now, I know we, we could talk about Florida all night, but going and playing at the Swamp and getting a win well, there, that's big time. Coach was talking about it. The Swamp at night's real. They went in there and did it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, Coach, we'll ask you first. Here, here's what I'm tell you. Right. real. So you're not – they're not the best team in the SEC, but they are a capable team. And 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 they're, they're going to lose to Georgia. Georgia has the best players. Yep. They got they got Georgia, I think, on November 19th. So there's there's some games in between now and then. And but they're going to win 10. They're going to win. They're, they're going to win 10 games. They're for real. That team's yeah, a, that team's a for real they're team. They're a real team. Yep, they are a real team, and I'm fun to watch. I'm I'm excited to watch. Uh, and I love, have a lot of fun. I love the, the quarterback play. Yep, mm-hmm. Will Levis. Will yep. Levis is certainly one of the best in the country, no doubt. Now let's 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 hit this last one here real quick, guys, and we'll wrap up. Indiana Hoosiers. They have scraped by. This is truly a basketball school. Hack, they're in your Big Ten country. I am going straight fraud on this one, and it ain't even close. But, hey, big shout-out to Tom Allen. He was coach of the year in the Big Ten a couple years ago. Their QB, Connor Basilak, I think is how you say his name, playing decent so far, but I think they're a big-time fraud. Hack, we'll start with you. Depends on what you're going to qualify fraud or real as. I see six wins on their schedule right now as it lies including the three they have they have three more that if you just look at the game i think it's like Rutgers, and then a few other ones and to your to your toast coach i didn't even count maryland on that one not even close so (laughs) i think that there's 
No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying uh, the, the Maryland game, uh, Maryland's got that right. by a mile so right now. So they're sitting there. So difference maker, right? He is, he is. But to 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 get back on Indiana, I, I count six wins. So to me, you know, I think in a program like that, considering what they got, what what happened with them last year, that might be a win if that's real. But overall, I think the three and zero start is a fraud. And I, and and like I said, they got three more wins, and it's going to be a long, long, long second half of the season for them. Coach, Indiana Hoosiers, we waiting for basketball season, or uh, are they something for real? I went I went to Purdue, so no, they're a fraud. They're a fraud. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, we'll see. These basketball schools have, have proven something I mean, over the first three weeks. Honest, right? That's honest. I appreciate the honesty. Hey, for Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, and Coach Kevin Sumlin, we're midway through the week to another college football weekend here on the field of 12 after dark. We appreciate you riding with us. We'll see you next night, tomorrow night, this weekend. Join in. Thanks again.